I'm going to put our phone numbers up on the uh, screen. And I even put Big John's, who's not here today. He knew that we were all coming up here today, so he decided to stay in Atlanta today. No, that's not true. He, uh, that list you see is what we call the elders, and it's not a position. It's not a title. It's just, it's just the way, uh, the way I see these guys. When we started Levener back in 2007, the IRS said that I had to have uh, a board and I literally asked my friends to come on and be my board, which obviously became elders as this became a church. And so I trust these men and am thankful for them because they not only encourage, but they defend and um, they have a lot of wisdom. So, and even Big John, who's not here, he's my, he's a go-to guy obviously. So uh, we put our numbers up there and we're just going to ask you to text questions. Everybody's got their phones out and whatever questions that you would like to ask, we will begin to answer them. I have no questions as of yet. I have a question. Oh, great. Hello? Yeah. My question is, and I, I only need two or three answers, but why are you here? Like of all the choices you could be today of places, why specifically are you here? Man, as I was like pulling into pinheads, I was just thinking the exact same question. Interesting. Don't be bashful because I can wait forever. Surprise, Luke. I am encouraged. When I come here, I am Every time. Two more, just two more. What's that mean? Or the contents. Challenge. In what way? I think there's a lot of very genuine people here that are trying to just go through life together, and that is uh, refreshing and a challenge as well. Not, not in a bad way, because I think people are very genuine, so it's easy to be open, but uh, it's an authentic way in terms of understanding what a walk is supposed to look like. So it's a challenge in terms of asking Challenge what you've been taught. As compared to what's being taught, I think, yeah, I, I think one of the keywords we I like to use around here is transparency. I think there's a lot of transparency in this group. You know, typically you have prayer lists and people use it as gossip. Oh, that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, what's up, man? Testament, Old Testament, New Covenant, Old Covenant. Um, there's not a lot of places that uh, understand that. Somebody else over there. 
Dave said it is the fruit of the spirit. If you guys don't know Dave, he's been hanging out, what, six months here? That's a cool guy. You have one? Go for it. The, uh, could you each share a favorite verse and why it's a favorite? The, uh, the one that just pops in my mind uh, right now is just uh, Romans 8.1. That was yours. The, uh, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I had that chance this past week to uh, open up prayer for a, um, it was a political event. Susan Brooks was there. And I prayed that. I prayed Romans 8.1 over Susan and wanted to encourage her. And the um, I just think in that position, obviously, there's a lot of criticism coming at her and things like that. But the... You know, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's a power in it. There's such an incredible power in it. And there's something, Shelly, you said a couple weeks ago when you were up here. I'm in a conference hall with thousands of people in Boston listening to, to Luke talk to you and Dale. And you talked about coming out of the banquet and talking. I think the word was something about you did never realize the practicality of Scripture. It is. It's so practical. It's, I, I can't remember the exact word, but it's something to that effect. Relevant. Relevant. The scripture, it's so relevant. It's so it's the only thing in my life that makes sense. So I'm grateful for it. Romans 8, 1, it's just one, but that is uh, one that's just on the front of my mind. Well, that was going to be mine, too. Um, I started hanging out in Matt's basement because of a guy named Chad Hayward, and he told me about some guys that were chasing some truth that I never heard before. And that verse was the one that set me off on my chase down this road to figure all this out because... I always felt condemned. I, I grew up in a church that the, the mentality was, man, I just screwed up. I hope dad doesn't find out. And when I heard Romans 8.1, it switched to, man, I just screwed up. I better go talk to dad. And that knowing that there was no condemnation anymore, that that was all taking care of me at one point at one time, it set me free and it just relieved me of all that stress. And so that, that you know, everybody says, what's your life verse? It changes as my life progresses. But that's when I always cling to when things get really difficult is there's no condemnation. No matter how bad I screw up, I know he's still there for me, and I can come right to him and not run from him. What are you going to do, read a whole book? <laughs> Man, I have, I have feelings. <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> oh, come on. We know better than that. <laughs> so... Uh, these guys are talking about how they evolve with that one. This one has stuck with me a long time. It's several verses, so I'll have to read it because I can't remember. I don't memorize very well, so that's the truth. I just don't I don't do well with memory. So uh, Elisha went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, young lads came out from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. When he looked behind him and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. The two female bears came out of the woods and tore up the 42 lads of their number. He, <laughs> I like that one. I, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I like that one because I just know my God has a sense of humor, and, and it's, it's in the humans that cross our paths. It's in his word. It's in creation. And he is not that guy that's got a stick waiting to hit you in the head. But if you trash talk a bald guy, I'd look behind you. <laughs> I knew it was either going to be the bald one or if there's no house of worship near you, take your tithes and offerings and go buy a strong drink and have a party. <laughs> that's in the Bible there, by the way. So, uh, I, you know, I'm probably pretty simple as a kid. 
the first verse that I think I ever memorized was Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the, that was what I was taught, is I can do all things. Focus was, uh, was on I can do all things, and I think that I did things in, in my own strength, forgetting the last part of that verse. And then as this guy uh, in probably mid-2001 just kept reading Romans 8.11 to me, uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in Rusty's mortal body. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in Rusty's mortal body. And then all of a sudden, once the light came on for me, I realized I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It all changed for me, so I'd probably say those are my two two verses. Anybody else got a question? I do. Oh, they're starting to come in now. Well, the, uh, tell us where you draw encouragement from. Um, tell us where you draw encouragement from. The, the, uh, I, I think it just gets to the verse that Rusty just said, Romans 8, 11. I just think, I, I like trite little sayings so long as they line up with Scripture. I heard uh, an old friend of mine from Boston, just the Bob, just the, uh, his lifestyle was very different than mine, but the, he's a, still a, a, a good friend. He put something on Facebook yesterday I'd never seen before, but it was uh, the word ear. If you put two ears together, it looks like a heart. Have you seen this, Anne? I see you not yet. If, you, if you put two ears together, it looks like a heart. And actually in the middle of the word heart is the, the word ear. And it's just to encourage us to, to listen and the uh, so I think the the encouragement comes from you know hearing the, a verse like Romans eight eleven that we have the same spirit that we all do right. There's no hierarchy here. I told Rusty this week. I don't like the optics of this. I don't. This looks to me like sages on a stage, and that's not what this is. And I I, I don't like the uh, like I said. I just don't like the, the look of it because of Romans eight eleven that you have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, and it is up to us to learn to unlearn bad teaching and to walk by the Spirit. And to God be the glory for all of that. And if any revelation comes your way, like Jesus said to Peter, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father who's in heaven. He, that's the Spirit of Him now dwells within you. So that encouragement it has to come from somewhere other than another person, whether it's a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, good friend, minister. It's from the Spirit within, and I'm sure it's going to be of eternal value. So I would say... Romans eight eleven. just that perspective is, is where I draw encouragement. I think I would add to what Matt said, that if you trust everything that comes out of a microphone here, you're very, very uh, shallow because it could be wrong. And a lot of us got into the fix we were because we might have done that in the past. And, and Acts 17, 11 says that those who are in um, Berea were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica because they would go check out what they heard every week. And then in First in John, somewhere it says that you have everything you need to understand scriptures. That's my translation because I can't memorize stuff. But but you need to check it out. No matter who's telling you something, you, you need to check it out. I got a couple questions. Uh, one, how did God tell you to start a church? Uh, I don't think he did. I don't think he did tell me to start a church. Obviously, I grew up in a 
church at First Baptist Tulsa and went to college. I was actually a pre-med major at Oklahoma Baptist University, which is a, a great pre-med school. And I took my first chemistry class, and God called me into the ministry. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, but there were a lot of things that played into that as well. And so I switched my major and um, became, I w- in, when I was in seminary, I wanted to be anything but a pastor and a music minister. I'll be children's recreation guy, youth guy, senior adult, whatever, but don't make me be those two. And uh, ended up coming to Indianapolis, Northside, served there for 18 years as a youth pastor, associate pastor, and uh, was kind of done with the institutional church, the marketing, trying to grow it, make the machine, and uh, keep filling positions and stuff like that. So I walked away in 2007 and uh, met with these guys and like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And formed this uh, 501c3 called Levner. And there was a lot of things that went on between that. But then eventually, uh, the Lord said, you're going to do crisis intervention, disaster relief, and teach the word. And everybody looked at me like, how are you going to make a living doing that? I don't know. Then uh, it was actually the wards and the Ludkeys that are still here that said, hey, we're done doing the church thing, Catholic church, Baptist church thing. And we're going to just start meeting at our house on Sunday mornings. Would your family like to join us? Sure. We'd, we'd be glad to. Will you teach? Oh, okay. And uh, so in October of 2007, we met at their house for the first time, sat around the pool, and I taught at the end and basically said, you want to do it again next week? And that's how it started. So there, it was never an intentional church start. It was just, where's where's God working and doing these things? And then it was probably about six months later after cramming 85 people in the ward's house in the wintertime um, that Keith and I were bowling here at Pinheads and you know, that whole thing opened up. So that, that that's really, uh, and, and I think when we started, when we started, I never wanted this to be called a church, you know, and I got hammered for that or whatever, because uh, the church is the church, big C, like believers in Jesus Christ. We're just a body, uh, well, the body of Christ, but we're just a, a section of that. And so uh, to this day, our 501c3 is still a ministry. It's not declared as a church by the IRS, which really don't care about. Um, but that's what we are. We are the church. We go out. This is not church right here. This is not worship time here because uh, the church is all over and we worship all the time just by breathing we're worshiping so whenever you hear me talk about like judah and esther they're leading music today they're not leading worship because we worship god all the time and all that we do so uh there's that question somebody else got a question i'm stacking up here you this this is talking about um says you radiate kindness. How do you love your enemies? The uh, Galatians uh, 5.22.23 gets into the fruit of the Spirit that, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. In that verse, that the first word is love. <clears throat> and in First John, it says God is love. All the fruit of the Spirit radiates out from love. And if He dwells within us, that's where that kindness comes from. Kindness is, the, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. But as you've probably heard me say too many times, 
It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And if, if, if the Spirit is being kind through your soul to someone else, to God be the glory. If he's showing love to somebody else or kindness or a faithfulness or to God be the glory. And I think that that is, uh, again, I, I do. I think that's how he wants to show the world and reach so many different nooks and crannies. Think of where we all go tomorrow morning. We're all going all these different directions. And having the same spirit, he can get into all these little areas of where we go. Classrooms, right? Workplaces. But that that kindness and really it, the essence of it is God's love just radiating through your personality to this world. So just that, that walk in that. I I know for me, uh, it, it a lot of that comes from just a mindset, like putting some foundational thoughts on Scripture. And and I mentioned last week about I have very low expectations, and so that sounds like a weird way to go about life. But John sixteen thirty three, um, Jesus said, "In this world, you have tribulation." Like he he didn't say you might have tribulation. He says you have tribulation. So I kind of have a mental knowledge that tribulation is just part of how life is. So like when I used to play sports, for example, basketball, uh, I assumed the people wearing different colored jerseys than me were going to come at me in an aggressive manner. So I didn't step onto the court assuming they're just going to open up and let me go do whatever I want. I assume there's going to (laughs) be some bumping and some hitting and some scraping going on. Well, the scripture kind of teaches that's how life is. So to get upset that that's how it is, um, is kind of more on me than my enemies, if that makes sense, is that we are going to have enemies. We're going to do things wrong. We're going to upset people. And so if I kind of start from that base level and trust the spirit to work through me and to change my opinions of people as, as I go through it, then that's just the mindset that I have as I go about it. I'm not really a pessimist. I just am more of a realist about it. We got this question. Uh, when do you relieve, remove, one and the same, from your home of a behavior checklist? We talk a lot about lowering expectations, but how does that look when awareness remains necessary? Uh, I, I think the, the question is, and, and I, would, I would look at all four of us and probably say we would probably all answer it different. Uh, just because we are, have different personalities and we have different children and things like that. But as for me in my house, I've always, uh, uh, not always, but as I came to understand my identity and the difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant and things like that, knowing that my kids were holy, righteous, and redeemed and everything else, uh, I probably started them out under the law because the law is a tutor. It shows them that they need uh, a Savior. And then uh, as they begin to mature, and it's not based upon an age or anything like that, but based upon how they were able to handle the truth and the word, understanding God and knowing God, you take the law off of them and try to teach them to walk by the Spirit. And as they begin to walk by the Spirit, I want my kids, I wanted my kids walking by the Spirit before they left my house. And I want them to understand there's a holy living God living inside of them that will tell them what to do and how to respond and everything else uh and if they would just allow him to do that in their life but a lot of uh 
a lot of parenting, it, it, it's under the law. And then when they get to college, they realize I'm, I'm no longer under the law. I can do what I want. And the chaos reigns. Uh, so I wanted my kids to make mistakes at home. I wanted them to make mistakes early on so that when they were there, I was able to uh, guide them, remind them. So I, I don't know if it's the same in every house. You guys want to respond to that? I, I was, uh, uh, I, I married a rock star. Uh, Connie put up with a lot. She put up and puts up with a lot. But uh, I started figuring this stuff out a little bit right when we became parents. And uh, Romans 5.20 said uh, that the law came so that the transgression or sin would increase. And so I was sitting there pondering that and trying to figure out how to be a parent. And it seemed to me then if I put more rules on my kids, then it would cause them to rebel more. And, and so that was the logical problem I was struggling with back then. And, um, and I didn't have anybody mentoring this idea of maybe not put your kids under rules. Like that sounded like a hippie, I was, like or something. And so, uh, Connie went along with it, and uh, I asked Caitlin one time. I, don't, I know you don't want to talk, Caitlin, but I asked you what rules we put on you. Can can you recall what you told me? I thought you said conveniently she doesn't. <laughs> well, I thought you said something like uh, you kind of expected us to go to school and maybe be home at night, and I don't know if you said anything else. <laughs> I was just trying to think about it, but it, it was just a huge leap of faith. But I think at the end of the day, uh, there is no answer on how to parent people because I think parenting just draws you, you as the parent to the, uh, the throne of grace in your time of need. So however you get from point A to point B as a parent, you're going to train wreck a lot of things along the way, but you're going to become more intimate with Jesus. So maybe parenting is more about you than your kids. I got a little to say about this. Um, when I first started figuring out the whole identity thing was when my kids were all kind of in transitional stages too. So um, I probably made a lot of mistakes uh, trying to figure out how much to give, how much grace to give them, how much law to give them, and everything else. And I got four totally different kids, and um, all of them, none of them are chasing Christ right now. I mean, not a one of them. So, not that you know of. Uh, not that I know, but I think I'd know. I mean, I really would. I think they'd say something. But um, all I have to lean on is I showed them what it looked like to be free in Christ and to understand what a relief that was and how much joy you can have. And if they want to chase what the world's definition of joy is, that's their free will. And if free will is a dangerous thing, but the good Lord gave it to me and I can't squelch that in my kids so they have free will they're going to make their own choices i just pray that as they mature and go through life they don't do anything that's catastrophic that destroys their future but i hope that they 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 wake up like i did it took me 42 years before i got to where i started chasing this i just hope my kids had an earlier start to see what it was and that maybe they'll they'll come to it quicker than 42 years The question came in and said, what do you struggle with? The, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> the, uh, no, uh, very um, transparently, the, uh, and I, I, I say this, I find no power in transparency. I'm not against it. I'm for it. 
but the, there's no power in transparency in and of itself. I've got flesh. The We've all got flesh. My flesh is not better or worse, right? And I would tell you, my struggles, finances, uh, lust, uh, the, you just kind of go through, I guess, the seven deadly sins. I check pretty much all those boxes. <laughs> the uh, But there, I, as I've come to understand who I am in Christ, I used to realize I could put a smile on and make it look like I had it together, but then just be an absolute mess right on the inside. And religion will do that. I think when you come to realize that my flesh isn't better or worse than yours, you can come alongside someone with a heroin addiction, right? It's There's no hierarchy in flesh either. We've all got ours. It's just different. It's, it could, I met some, some people this week that power was theirs. That was their thing. That's not mine, right? Mine isn't better or worse. It's just different. So flesh is flesh. The uh, so, but I've got plenty, I and mean, I could we could talk as long as you want to about that. But it is what it is, and it's not better or worse. And this, I have the same solution as you do for overcoming the flesh uh, flesh uh, patterns that I have. I'm glad they sent you that question. <laughs> I'm just not checking my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, text, please. Well, I got, here, Rusty, I got a couple more I here. Got, I got a bunch too, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The, uh, what do you think you still need a better understanding of? And what's one of the most important pieces of advice you could give that you've used through your life? Rusty, you go first. <laughs> well, I, in, uh, Wednesday night, high school students, the answer is always Jesus. And I would probably say that is even teaching through the Gospels, I feel like I still don't have a grasp of it all. And if there's any one thing that I will continue to teach them on Wednesday nights and here on Sunday mornings is to know him, to know him better. I want to be, however long I live, I want to be learning. I want to be a student of the Lord I want to know know him better. So for me to for you to even think that I grasp it all up here is is insane because uh I'm not even close. Not even close. And so I'm learning every day and I just say if there's anything I want to know, I want to know it's the song we sing. I want to know his heart. I want to know the heart of God. Yeah, I hate to systematize the theology of identity, but I do. I think that understanding forgiveness, understanding the power of sin, and understanding rest. I think it's those three steps in that order. I've never seen anybody leapfrog forgiveness. And I would say that if you understand forgiveness, praise God, right? But there is a maturity that comes there to ultimately, the you know, it says in, in 1 John, the fathers in the faith know him who has been from the beginning. I think what that means is as we mature, you can not only handle the battles, but you can also handle the seasons of tall cotton, right? I do think that there is times when self-sufficiency sets in and we think, I got this covered, and we can just check out from walking. So I think that the best advice I've ever gotten was chasing in a little concordance the verses of the, the, the tenses of the verb forgiveness and how it changes once the cross comes along. It's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten because it started me on this rabbit trail of how Scripture makes sense, and my theology was a yard sale, absolute yard sale. But Scripture does not contradict itself. But as kind of like Danny had said earlier, it's the new covenant starting at the cross, 
and not the new covenant starting or new testament starting at Matthew one one changed everything. Somebody asked me, uh, Mr. Hippie, uh, how do you view discipline with your theology, and really in in particular, how do you view where it says God disciplines those who He loves and. I don't really know how to view discipline from God. I know that a lot of times in Scripture it says uh, discipline means uh, instructs. So discipline, a lot of times maybe from past teaching, you might think it's the rod of wrath smacking you in the head, but I think God instructs you along the way. And part of the discipline you get is through instruction through the Spirit from the inside out. Part of uh, his instructions through the consequences of my own silly decisions that uh, put me in unusual places. And so... Yeah, I think he's instructing me and, and directing me along the way. But I think the main thing that he's doing is rather than looking behind me at what I screwed up, he is putting an amazing path in front of me of just to walk in today. So rather than focusing on the negative, I just focus on what's the adventure you have for me today. I think if you can spend more time thinking about what is it you have today, Lord, rather than what did I do wrong yesterday, I think you're going to find more of an adventure. Uh, breeze through a couple of these questions here real quick give you some brief answers where do you believe the antichrist will come from a political figure certain religion uh i have no idea uh i oh gosh i'm not that was my question Uh, i think he will be uh slick i think he he will uh be the great deceiver i think many people will be attracted to him uh, go ahead, Matt. No, no, no. The, the, uh, the. No, don't don't say it. Okay. Just stop. Uh, someone asked about finances. Uh, we never really talk about finances here uh, because we've remained a five hundred one c three nonprofit ministry. Every year we have to fill out a, a nine ninety form. I have to fill that thing out. It's about thirty three pages every year, and it has all of our financial uh, statements in it, and that's a public document. Uh, because of that, we don't have a stewardship committee, a finance committee, but anybody in the world can go look at that document and see our finances, and you're welcome to do the same thing. Uh, but it's out there. It's, it's not, there's nothing hidden to it. Uh, the, the follow-up question to that was how can we like grow the church based upon the money? It's like uh, uh, we've got marketing people in here and everything else, and we've talked about it over the years, and it's like when we started Lebner, I, I said, can uh, this – this body grow just by teaching the word of God? Can it just grow by teaching truth, the word of God and word of mouth? And um, that's what's happened here. So I would probably, I did all the marketing and yeah, it's, it's just what it is right now. So get questions. Um, Matt, I'm just going to be transparent and read uh, this question as it was sent to me. When you get your ass kicked in life, what is the first thing you do? Luke, was that your question? (laughs) Sounds like Dunnick. And then the next part of it is what's second? Well, first thing for me is I just try to breathe. Like I don't know what the specific catalyst would be. I literally, what happens when something comes at me, I don't know about you guys, my emotions shoot through the roof at a high level. And if I respond to my emotions, I'm going to respond incorrectly. And so I just have to breathe for a minute when something that comes into my world immediately. And secondly, I take that thought captive and say, all right, Lord, what do you, which direction do I go with this thing? Because 
Uh, I have a tendency to be um, sarcastic, and I could. That, somebody told me that sarcasm means to cut, and my sarcasm could be very vicious. It would look like ISIS or something. So I just I have to breathe and then take that thought captive personally. I don't know. What do you guys do? I don't have any problems. <laughs> Matt doesn't struggle with any of that. There was a comedian, yes, was it two days ago, literally died on stage, just plopped. So. I got, Matt said he's been there and done that. I got a picture from the child care workers. They're sitting right outside here in the fireplace room because they got kicked out of the suites. Because they got so we we got to cut this short. Kids are being nice. You can't even hear them right there. Good job, you guys. Uh, just a couple more uh, questions, and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, someone asked the question here. Let me get to it. Uh, you say you no longer need to ask forgiveness of our sins from God once we are saved. Why then does the Bible tell us to go and ask forgiveness from a wrong brother or sister? First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I did that when I was eight years old. I, asked Jesus, I didn't understand it at the time, but I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and he died one time on the cross, died for all my sins, past, present, and future. Uh, the, the asking for the uh, forgiveness from a wrong brother and sister is actually before the cross. But the, the difference that you're talking about here is a vertical relationship with my heavenly father, which he's taking care of all those sins and a horizontal relationship with my brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, I think as the spirit leads me to ask for forgiveness or to forgive, that's what I'm to do because he lives within me and. You guys have a comment on that, real quick. What was that forgiveness First John one nine. That's the one that that uh, the church will take and use as it's a continual thing that you have to do every night. You have to get down on your knees and think of all your prayers and confess your sins, and He will forgive you of your righteousness. But but hear what it says: if 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 we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's happened one time. One time, not every night. I don't put Jesus back up on the cross every night. Anything else? I, I got a question here. Uh, something, what did it say? How do you handle a uh, conversation with an atheist? Uh, I handle all conversations the same. If the Spirit's directing me, whoever I'm talking to, it's just a natural conversation. I don't really buy into getting somebody into a an intentional evangelical conversation in a headlock and going to that always be closing idea. I just love people and talk to them about whatever's on their mind. Yeah, I think if you're talking with an atheist, they if they come up confrontational, it's a waste of time because their spirit's not open. But if they come up questioning, then yeah, go after them and, and talk to them about it. Because somebody told me one time, I think it was Ke- uh, Kevin said that um, I don't, there's no such thing as unicorns, but I don't see people out there with big banners trumpeting the fact and screaming down unicorns. So if they don't believe there's no God, I don't know they're wasting a whole lot of time screaming down something that doesn't exist in their mind. So you're not going to win that argument. Yeah, uh, I got the last question. How do you keep feelings from dominating your decision making? I think uh, if if you looked at that question, you would probably see the two words uh, is feelings and decision making. And to me, the, the key word is dominating. I'm not going to stop feelings. Motions, feelings will always occur. 
but I can greatly impact those feelings and emotions based upon the truth that I know, understand, and believe. What I know, what I trust, what I believe greatly impacts my emotions and feelings, which then allows me to make the proper decisions. If I let my feelings impact my decision, my decisions, I'm probably going to be messed up. Can I answer one more question? One more. Hey, Coop. My favorite worship song, God is great. Oh, God. Beer is good. People are crazy. We're ending Thank you. on that. <laughs> Jesus, I know that we up here do not have all the answers, but we trust that your word which has been proclaimed here from the stage rings true in our hearts and in our people and that you will continue to answer the questions that they have uh, and know that they're capable of answering themselves because they have the same spirit inside of them. So I trust you with that. And we look forward to just hanging out here today together uh, for this food that uh, Allie's Pinheads has provided for us that you would just... Um, let us enjoy one another and enjoy you. And I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.